All right. Uh, episode 32 of the Apex Vaulting Podcast. Uh, got a couple last week, at least one this week, maybe another one this week. Um, on this this week's episode, we have Doug Hauser of Vertical Assault. Um, well, Doug, when, when did you start? When did you start coaching at Vertical Assault? How long has it been? Uh, let's see. I started here in. Oh, I'm too far. I started here in early 2013. Yeah, okay, February 2013. Wow. It's, it's so weird. You say 2013, and in my head, I still am like, yeah, that was yesterday, and it's like, oh my yeah. god, it's 2018. It goes fast. Yeah, it's like five it, and a half years. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so crazy. Um, so yeah, you, you've been at the helmet vertical assault for, for a little while now. And, uh, you know, obviously I have my club and I guess what I wanted to talk about, cause I think sometimes one, the topics that I've covered on the podcast and things that we talk about, like, and, and we'll have plenty of time to talk about like the things that we see at meets and we're like, Oh no, don't do that. You know? <laughs> yeah. But let's kind of open up and talk to people about, look, it's normal. Like I totally get it. When you first start coaching, there's just mistakes you're going to make. There's things that you're going to do wrong. And I'll, I'll start off. I know like one thing that I was guilty of early in my coaching career, I had one of my early girls. It had to have been like maybe around 2006. Um, she jumped 11-4, which was a county record at the time, which we were just talking about how yeah. crazy, you uh-huh. know. Now that's 11-4 like. 11-4 back then. That was big. Yeah. Now it's like 11-4. It's like, okay, you're starting out, you know. <laughs> um, you're in the mix a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And so this girl jumped 11-4. It was a county record at the time. And then all of a sudden by counties, this other girl was sneaking up on it. And we get caught in the middle of this competition. And I'm like, well, you know. KL gripped 11.9 on the 13.45 to jump 11.4. So we got to be on that pulling uh, grip. Yeah, yeah. And so I kind of, instead of coaching the situation that day, I got a little bit, I don't know if it was nervous, worried, greedy even. And I was like, you know what? You got to get on that pull. You got to get on that grip. Uh-huh. And by the time we got to, I think it might've been 11 foot bar. She, I think she only jumped 10.6 that day. So we get to 11 and I force her on that pulling grip. She got stood up two out of the three times mm. and, you know, it was a mistake. So I, I get it. When coaches do something like that, oh, they yeah. have a kid, kid PR and they're like, all right, we've got to be on this pole. But the thing is you got to coach the situation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can definitely say I'm guilty of doing that early on too. I mean, mm-hmm. I started I started formally coaching at Stroudsburg High School in 2003. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I can definitely say I did those kinds of things too. You know, uh, I mean – it's it's early on. You don't know as much. You also don't have like the line of poles like we have at sure. our clubs. Where you, yeah. We know the little movements we can make. Maybe a five pound move. Maybe it's even a two and a half pound move right. based on the flex of the pole. But, right. Right. Like we look at, at our clubs. Vertical assault, amazing. I mean, how many poles do you guys have right now? Um, two two hundred and some. So oh, it was right around there. So around two hundred poles. Right at my club, we have about one seventy. So like he's saying, like. Look, we're maybe even a little bit spoiled and yeah, maybe maybe we, maybe we should even talk about at some point in this podcast about building a line because I think yeah, you need important. a line of poles. Like yeah. I always compare it to like having a weight room. Like a weight room is great, 
But if all you have is 45-pound plates, you're not going to get very strong because you got to make 90-pound jumps. So it's like you, having the 2.5-pound plate, the 5-pound plate, the 10-pound plate, oh, yeah. you know, 25s, 35, those are all important to, to get yourself stronger. Well, having a good line of poles really helps a vaulter progress. But, mm. yeah, go, go back. Like No, you know. I was just going to say I definitely made those kind of mistakes early on. Um, maybe even thinking, hey, well – you know, we don't have enough speed from this run. You just, you got to go back to a longer run and and maybe they've never practiced that before, but, Mm -hmm. and the athlete's not familiar with it. I'm not even familiar with it because I've never seen them do it. Right. And I'm just going, "Ah, if we, you know, we got to get this next bar. So just do this. Yeah. So making uninformed decisions. Right. Yeah. And and I think it, it, you know, when it's early in your coaching career, look, it's kind of like having your first child, Right. You know, yeah. it's like you're like panicking over every move and, and also you just want to make sure it turns out the best. Mm-hmm. And think about even going back to a longer run. I mean, you're like, well, I mean, maybe if we go back another left, they, they'll, they'll get on a bigger pole to jump higher. Well, that's if they're fast enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's even something where, yeah, like early in your career, you might not have enough information or enough experience to know whether or not that kid will be able to handle that longer approach. Yeah. You know, and, and, I think, again, it's just information, too. Like, I, I was just talking to – you had a college girl in here, and we were talking a little bit about approaches. And, you know, I was, I was bringing up the idea that, look, Olympic – male Olympic sprinters top out at 60 meters. After they hit the 60-meter yeah. mark, they start yep. slowing down. I've Most people that. don't know that. You know, it's like – so it's like in sprinting. You're either accelerating or you're slowing down. There's no holding speed, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not like a distance race where you pace yourself. And so think about that. Like – that makes all the sense in the world because at a three left approach, you're about 30, 40 feet out. So that's about 10 meters. That's why threes are so easy. No one's going to sure. slow down in 10 uh-huh. meters. Now you think about a five. A five is at 60, 70 feet. So you're talking about 20 meters. Most people who are training should be able to handle 20 meters. They're not going to slow down in 20 meters. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever really come across yeah. a kid that has that right. much difficulty with a five. But now it's like all of a sudden if you're having trouble with your athlete doing a seven, you can see where that's at the 30-meter mark, right? Because mm-hmm. you're talking about 80, 90 feet. That's about 30 meters there. And most people do a 30-meter fly test. Well, slower people slow down at the end of a 30-meter fly test. So this is why at a seven you can start to see some difficulty. You have to make sure people are fast enough. And I talked with your vaulter too. I used Renault Lavillini as an example. If you think about him, when he's doing a 10 left approach, it's probably around 150 feet. That's 45 meters. Well, that's at the tipping point of like you're almost becoming an elite sprinter. Yeah. And that's why when Renault was having trouble, I guess, a summer or two summers ago, he had to bring it into an eight left because he just was too slow at yeah. that point to handle the 10 left. And, and that was interesting because that was – Really, right after he went and set the world record. Right. That was the summer after. He had been right. in, like, February. Right. And, you know, then he was he was having that difficulty. And, you know, I remember I was I was kind of wondering what was going on. Like, is he just messing around? Is he uh, playing with it? But, you know, yeah, you're definitely well, well, I mean, and right there. I hate to talk psychology, but let's talk psychology for a second. I mean, you had a vaulter just break the world record, which everybody thought that was not achievable. Everybody thought Bupka's record was going to last forever. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> so he reaches that – like he has an Olympic championship. He broke the world record. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed the guy enjoyed himself and cut back, let loose a little bit. <laughs> and guess what? You slow down. Probably, yeah. You know? I mean how many kids have we dealt with, whether it's high school or college, they achieve a certain goal and then the next couple oh, of months yeah. are a little bit rough with them. I mean, you know – 
I'm sure we could both share examples of that. You know, I've certainly, I, listen, I, I had someone, you know, break a national record and the next year was rough because mm-hmm. I feel like they thought they had aspirations of maybe jumping higher, but they kind of reached that mountaintop yeah. and now it was hard to motivate themselves to continue working well, hard. I, I consider that honestly a, a, a big concern. Because, you know, all the, the kids, all they want to do, obviously, they want to get higher and, you know, as quickly as possible. Right. But I feel like sometimes, sometimes yeah. that success comes too quickly. Yes. And, um, I mean, I've seen freshman girls go 11-6. Right. You know, and then it's like, okay, and, they, you know, they start to plateau because maybe, the, maybe that was their four-year goal. I'm going to jump 11-6, and they already did it. I mean, right. and obviously, you've got to have a very good, you know, athlete, yeah, and maybe yeah, yeah. someone that's been jumping already for a year or two in middle school right. to do that as a freshman. But I, I've seen a few cases where you know athletes you jump high slump. right away. You get that little bit of that sophomore slump, or or maybe they level off. Maybe they even end up going down by the time right. you know they're a senior, um, which wouldn't you know. Under under a good program, you, you know, you wouldn't expect that to happen. Right. But, but but think you know, think about even other professional sports, whether it's basketball, football. They always talk about the sophomore slump. There's always yeah. those like rookie of the years that when mm-hmm. they come back for their next year, it's like they're just not the same because they kind of got there too quick. And look, I think that's also one of the benefits of the experience that we have at our clubs too. Because when let's say that kid is going through a sophomore slump, I remember being a younger coach. I had a girl that she was my first ten foot girl, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. She jumped that Feels indoors. Good as a coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like super pumped. And like we said at the time, that was big. I mean, yeah. she went to there's a meet at the Armory uh, after the state meet of champs in New Jersey. It's called Easterns. Easterns, yeah. Yeah. It's oh. really not as big a deal yeah, as people yeah, make it out yeah. to be. It's a fun meet. Yeah. But so we went and she was like in the top eight, I think, that day with ten feet. So think about what the times were. Holy you know? cow, yeah. Yeah. There so, was there were seventeen girls. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, yeah, but yeah. there were seventeen girls over eleven seven at that meet this year. Right, right. So it's times crazy. have changed. Crazy. Yeah. Um, but she was my first ten foot girl, and by the end of indoors, I actually had my second ten foot girl. And now by outdoors, there was another girl creeping up to get that ten foot bar, and my my first ten foot girl now hit that slump. Oh, so she was she just started getting leveling worse. out like 10 feet, you know, nine, six even. Yeah, and literally I remember a practice where it was like she was running through on sand pit drills. Oh, boy. Yeah, because yeah, she was just really checked out. I mean, yeah. you know, and here's the thing. I wasted a lot of time that outdoors being a new coach trying to, like, save her. And I would, like, literally have, like, half-hour, hour-long conversations with her while my other girl that would end up jumping (laughs) 11-4 is doing drills on the side by herself. Uh And even, like, little experiences like that, like, where now, here's the thing. I'm very, like, straight up with people. It's like, because as coaches, look, we're trying to help kids out. You know, we, we love the sport. We sometimes have trouble having those tough talks. Whereas this year, I pulled one of my girls aside that was slacking. I was like, hey, listen, you, you see that girl you jump with? She's going she's gonna to beat you this year. <laughs> Just and keep hope, that in mind. And you hope that's motivation. Yes. For some yes. kids, it's like, oh, really? Well, okay, well, well but here's what am thing. I going to do? Here's the thing. I think me and you, Doug, have enough experience now that, look, we know one of two things. When we have that tough talk, it might be tough, but it's a lot easier to have that talk now 
then when that girl ends up no hiding a bunch and now she's crying because oh, she doesn't understand yeah. why. So it's better to make them understand, like, you're not putting in the work now mm-hmm. and you're going to get beat by that person. It's a tough talk, but it's better to have that talk now. And you at least give that person opportunity that, yeah, they have to make a decision. Either I'm quitting because I'm not really in this anymore yeah. or I'm just going to do this for fun or I'm going to get back to working hard uh, and try to catch up. Uh, and I guess that's one of the luxuries of not only the experience, but obviously the training groups that that we have at our club. I mean, how, how much of an advantage do you feel, you know, going from high school to now into a club setting that you've had where with the training groups? Um, well, it's, it's a huge advantage. I mean, you mean like... Like the difference the, between... The levels? Like, like, well, so let me put it this way. Like how many kids would you coach at your high school when you're coaching at high school versus now and what is that atmosphere like like what what talk about advantages and disadvantages i guess well i I mean and and we've actually we've actually hit on this recently Mm -hmm. at the high school when i first started there i think i coached about eight kids okay and um fortunately i had i had some good talented kids i i was learning more as i was going along Mm -hmm. so the kids started jumping well and the program uh, the entire track program itself grew, but there were years where I was getting about 30 kids out to pole vault. Oh, wow. And unfortunately, you can't keep 30 kids. I mean, right. there's one runway, limited time, so you right. do different kinds of things, and you kind of cut back, you kind of cut back. And I got to the point where I was coaching, you know, 12 to 14 kids right, each right, year. Right. Normally, even split seven and seven. But, um, you know... I, that's, I mean, that's that's a good number of athletes, and that's obviously what I what I could handle. Right. So a huge advantage here is I can handle a lot more jumpers. So I think as a coach, it also helps you learn. And again, I, I'm drawing reference to what we were talking about before. I mean, over what we say over ten years, we might see a thousand jumpers. Right. Yeah. And you know, we're constantly trying to learn as coaches. But the more you see, the more reps you see, the more jumps you see the better you're going to become, you know, as a coach. Right. And, you know, at, at the high school level, yeah, you've got your 12 or 14 kids, and, okay, you've got your more advanced kids or your older kids or whatever, but you you just you have to put them all together in a sense, and they're all mm. doing the same workouts and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Here, you can level the classes. Oh, we have an right. advanced class. We can do this with this class. We have an intermediate class. We have a beginner right. class. You know, and you, you can – you know, do different workouts, different progressions with them. So right, right, they right. get more out of it too. So like I said, that's a huge advantage, you know, versus well, the high school setting. I, let me let me go back to even like the high school setting. I mean, look, I get it too. Like you said, at the high school level, you get those 30 kids come out and you've got to kind of trim that because you have limited time. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, because... You want to keep them all, but you just can't. Well, right. And, and think about it this way. At the high school setting, it's like you have limited... Days of the week, and you have limited. I mean, I don't know if you had lights, but it's like you know, it's like limited number oh, of hours. Yeah, we that you couldn't could go coach. past a person, right? Times. So it's like you can't have like multiple sessions a day. No. You could even try to maybe split it up, do a Monday Wednesday group, Tuesday Thursday, or mm-hmm. whatever. But sometimes also, look, I and I don't know what your situation is, but I'm sure there's guys out there and women out there that are listening to this that you can't just coach pole vault. You have to manage other events, oh, and you have to adhere we were, to what the head coach wants. Yeah. So that's what even limits it sometimes. It's like you don't want to say no to those 30 kids, but you're going to have to say no to some because you have other responsibilities, mm-hmm. other duties on the team. And so now it's like that has to all be trimmed down. And kind of like 
one, you're going to miss maybe some of those diamond in the roughs that yeah. now at the club, they're yep. able to come here and you get to discover that kid. Who, you're like, wow, when he or she was a freshman, I never thought by senior year they would do this. Sure. Um, and then the, the other thing is, too, it's like, you know, I, I think also, like you said, whether it's leveling it off at my club, I tend to kind of mix it. But still, regardless. Yeah, we're primarily mixed yeah, in almost but, all the classes. But still, regardless of how, how you do the, the classes, I still think those training groups, it's so different. Like sometimes, look, if it's all kids from one high school. These kids see each other all day. Mm-hmm. They're not exposed to anything outside of the high school. And sometimes it's hard to change the culture initially. You're like – no, a girl can jump 10 yeah. or 11 feet. A boy can jump 13, 14 feet. Whereas, like, at the clubs, like, you walk in your first day and you're going to see someone wrapping some bungee where yeah. you're like, wait, this is pole vault? <laughs> like, in fact, I, I don't remember if I said this on, on uh, Mike's podcast when we did it together. I remember the first time I came with my group of kids to Vertical Assault because initially I was just coaching out of high school. Uh-huh. And we were actually going to a different club for a little, and then we came here. And I remember walking in because, you know, whether it was a high school practice or we were at this other club, like my kids kind of, they were a little bit more skillful than that other club. And so my kids kind of ran the show. And we came in here, and my girls all did a double take, and they were like, these kids are good. (laughs) And I, I literally turned my kids and my words that day, I was like, I was like, guys, did you think we were the only ones in the world that knew how to pole vault? <laughs> I go, yeah, this place is legit, you know. And and so it's it's that is such a, a different thing because when you see other people, uh-huh. you know, from other towns or maybe even other states. I mean, yeah. I know you get multiple states at yeah. Vertical. I'm predominantly New Jersey, but it's like you see what's possible out there, and even better. I love the fact that it's like you might get a little girl that comes in and she's maybe five foot tall and she's like, well, you know, like, I don't know. I just want to jump eight. And then all of a sudden they see a five foot girl like wrapping 13. Uh, and they're like, she's, I can do that. Yep. You know, it does. It helps build confidence, you know, yeah. when they see those other things. And, you know, of course, then they go, well, what's it going to take for me to get there? What do I got to right. do? And, you know, right away, right from the beginning, it's like, okay, well, we got to work hard. Yeah, you know, yeah. you got to train consistently. You got to lift and do resistance training. And, uh, is, I mean, I'm kind of doing a little bit of a side here, but that's another big thing. Even with club kids, and at the high school level, it was a lot. It was even harder. You got to get the kids to buy in. I mean, yeah. they they've got to buy into the to the idea of this is what it's going to take to get to that right. level. You right. know, and sometimes that's that's a tough road to haul with with every single kid because. Yeah. And I'm not saying you know they're making excuses, but you know I'll I'll have a class in on say a Sunday morning, and I'll say okay. All right, you guys had practice school this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, how many days did you jump? You know, most of them say, oh, we jumped every day. I go, all right. Oh, what days were light jump days? And then you got a lift in afterwards or you did some sprint work, maybe some yeah. bleachers and like crickets. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, guys. I was like, you know, listen, you got to and maybe yeah. on your own, you've got to go, OK, say the rest of your vaulting squad. All right, guys, we're going to do some sprint stuff today. We're going to see if we can get parachutes out or the sleds and do some resistance sprinting. And it's like, you know, it, you know, it, it's good to have them in here because you can give them that information right, that maybe right. they are or, or aren't getting at the, at the high school level. Um, and that also ties into you. Maybe they have a pole vault coach that does high jump, triple jump, right, long jump, and right. they see their pole vault coach one day a week right. for two hours or whatever. So they right. don't really know 
what they should be doing. Yeah. So it's helpful. I mean, when they come in here and we can tell them, hey, do this, this, and this. Well, yeah, you know, it, it is still like to me almost shocking when I see what like how there's still not enough information out and not enough no, people definitely not. understand what it takes to get to the next level. And, and you had a girl, like I said, you had a girl in here at the end that we were chatting with who's in college. And basically my advice to her was like, look, you need to take this summer, train your butt off, enjoy pole vault, like have fun yeah. with it. You know, maybe come to the Northeast Pole Vault Club Championships. Good idea. <laughs> we're bringing a bunch. We're bringing a bunch. It's going to be fun. But, um, you know, I was telling her she has to kind of now be more conscious and build a system that, unfortunately, the coach she has in college, one, she said, doesn't sometimes put a tape measure out. So I don't know how you're supposed <laughs> to figure that out. But, you know, it's like isn't very informative. You know, he'll just say something like run faster, but he doesn't yeah. give tangible things like, hey, you're running real backside now. Maybe we need to do some more A-skip, B-skip drills oh, to yeah, work yeah. on that front side Be running mechanic. You know, it's like you have to build the system so that you have the tools so that you know what to do when you're out there on your own. You mm-hmm. know, but it's, it's, it's still shocking to me. You know, like you said, it's like these kids are at a high school track meet. We're not even – or a high school track team – we're not even talking about pole vault drills. It's like literally the kids are coming in. They're not doing sprint workouts. They're not lifting. They're not yeah, doing the things that it takes to get faster yeah, and stronger. Not and doing I mean, any of it, unfortunately. track is a running sport. <laughs> I can excuse the soccer coach or the football coach for not teaching running form. Yeah. But it's like, it's our sport. Like the, and you know, these kids are not doing enough work there. Mm-hmm. Never mind pole vault, you know. So that that's one of the great things that the kids get to be exposed to more information. Oh yeah, I, mean, I don't know how you feel. I, I in fact, two of my girls are graduating this year. They're going to college, and I miss them dearly. But one of the things that I put on the the caption, I was like, I can honestly say these girls could coach sessions for me. Yeah, I mean, don't you feel that a lot of times once Absolutely. the kids kind of go through the system, they they could be good coaches. You know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll, I'll have I've had many times where one of my more advanced jumpers or somebody who's been here for a while, a couple yeah. years. You know, they'll be taking a break between a jump. Maybe they're on long runs, and you know, you, yeah. you've got to have that time between. But sometimes they'll come over and stand next to me or mm-hmm. sit next to me or whatever, and somebody will take a jump, and they'll say something kind of under their under their breath because yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't want to act as if they are right, the coach. Right, 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 right. But you know, uh, somebody standing next to me, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, she, her hands were late. She didn't get her hands up, or yeah. or." Uh, She's got back cycle in that run. I'm like, yeah, right. that's good. Good point. You know, I'll yeah, turn on and be like, that's great. You know, it's, yeah. it's good that they're, you know, they're internalizing it and they can look at others and, and see it as well. Right. Well, so, and, and that, that takes it to the next level. Like when an athlete now can teach someone else, they really understand oh, yeah. the, the sport. Um, I, I guess, well, can you think of any other mistakes that maybe you made earlier in your career? That we should talk about. Mm, I'm trying to think. It's such a long time ago. <laughs> uh, I know. Once you start doing certain things, you like forget even like what you. Yeah, used it's to like do. oh, I, I do all this pretty well now. I don't remember the horrible mistakes I made back then. Um, I mean, definitely there were times where I know I was probably too aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now that you know we have a lot more information now, and mm-hmm. or or maybe this, maybe making an adjustment when it didn't need to be made. Right. Um, I I mean I I have a girl right now who jumps pretty high um and she'll go over her opening bar by a foot or right, right, maybe right. 9 inches or whatever right. and I'll go do the same exact thing make the next bar we'll right. see how that looks 
why make an adjustment when you're that far over the bar right. and the standards are in the right place, the grip looks good, the run looks good. Why change anything? Right. I can just uh, and and I find I I honestly get to do that a, a lot now, yeah. which is which is nice. Um and you know the kids have confidence then too. Oh, 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 I, oh I made oh, I made that made that bar by a ton. I'll oh, just do the same. Right. But I I definitely remember when I first started coaching, I made an adjustment on every jump. Right. No matter what. Because you, you know what it is? And especially if you're a hard worker, or like we're both hard workers, yeah. you know, you sometimes feel like you have to adjust something, otherwise you're not doing your job. Yeah, But sometimes yeah. it's like, look, like you said, if they bomb that, that bar, that's it. Let, yeah. let it sit there, and until you have to make an adjustment, yep. you know, just le- leave it be. Um, that, that definitely is a mistake. I mean, I even, I even think about, you know, earlier in my career, not catching mids. You know, I oh, remember just I, I catching takeoffs, uh, just takeoffs. I didn't even know about mids early right. on, so I definitely wasn't doing that. Yeah, and and look, I get it. If you're not catching mids, like, I totally understand. You're like, well, I just catch the takeoff, and I kind of want – the mid yeah. is just a tool. It helps you see the run better, and certainly – and, Doug, you're a club coach just like me, so I'm sure sometimes you're in scenarios where you're not allowed – in the coach's box yeah. or something. So sometimes we have to coach from positions where it literally is impossible to catch a mid. Yeah, you and can't you, see you make it. do. Mm-hmm. But I always feel like, listen, if you go a whole season not catching a kid's mid, you could easily lose sight of it, and the kid starts warming up. And this is where the mids are super, super important. If they just run through and it's completely off, oh yeah, the mid helps you adjust real oh, fast. Yeah. I literally sometimes the kids run down. I'm like, I don't know if you ran from the wrong spot, but dude, you got to move up. Or, or or back four uh-huh. feet. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Because the mid let me make that adjustment real quick. Whereas if you're not catching the mid, I'm sorry, if it's way off, like they're on the wrong foot <laughs> near takeoff, <laughs> yeah, now you're in trouble. <laughs> and now you're going to end up doing, I guess, the other thing that maybe we all did at least one time in the beginning. Uh, let's r- run your steps back. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. I, so, I mean, and I get that. Even running your steps back, it's like, I get it when you start out coaching. What other way? Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like that's and, just and well, I mean that's another whole idea. Like we were talking about before, the amount of information or the lack thereof of information yeah. that that coaches have. Um, you know, there's a direct relationship between the mid and the takeoff, and right. as you know. Right. Um, if they're out of the mid and into the takeoff, it's like whoa, hey, you got to push out of the back better, put the feet down into the, the run, right, whatever, right, right, right. whatever adjustment mm-hmm. you need to make. But yeah, I can't tell you. I even I even go to some higher level meets. Yeah. And obviously yeah. not every kid goes to a club for whatever reason. And hey, that's, that's perfectly fine. If they just want to be coached by their, by their high school coach, right on. Right. Uh, I, I know a lot of very good high school coaches as well. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I still see, you know, quite a few coaches that they're, they're standing right next to the takeoff and, they're not yeah. looking at anything else further down the road. Yeah, they're watching their kid run, but then they're they're like zoning in on that takeoff right. spot. And and think and about like, this too. I mean, the angle you're at when you're near takeoff, you can't see the run really well. It's it's kind of like almost like if you talk about baseball, if the umpire's out of position, they can't call safer yeah. out yeah. if they're at the bad angle. You know, so same can't thing. See it. If you're that close at takeoff, and I remember even Al Launder, you know, in Beginner to Bupka had mentioned this idea that you want to be about 30, 50 feet from, from the mm. runway so that you don't have to turn your head yeah, because the way the you're, pi- yeah, you're picking up the vision, if you have to turn your head dramatically, 
you really can't see it. Yeah. You know, like it's literally like mentally not possible. And so it's like you're at that bad angle. You're not seeing their shin angle well. You don't see if it's knee and foot out front. Are they engaging their glutes as they mm-hmm. run? What about the pole drop? You know, it's like oh, there's yeah. a lot of things that you're going to miss yeah. out on. And now you're catching the, the takeoff spot. Tell me what you're seeing off the ground. If you're that tight, yeah. Oh, to take if you're off. that close, forget it. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of the coaches' boxes that they put in at meets, yeah. it that's where it is. It's right. A, it's at the takeoff. It's right next to the runway, and you know, like you said, what are you really going to catch there? And I notice even when I'm coaching in the club, um, you know, I'll watch from the side angle. I'll go to a more of a diagonal angle. I'll even watch from behind the kids sometimes to see where their hands are moving in the plant. You know, you, you've got to see it from all, yeah. all perspectives in my mind. So, well, and, and look, I think that's one of the other advantages of seeing the amount of vaulters that we see. I mean, I can't even imagine counting up how many jumps we watch in a year, but uh, like, I think I try to do it <laughs> once. It's pretty tough. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like the, one of the advantages is like, we pick up this experience and I like uh, Co- coach winder from North central. He mentioned this. It's like, he sees a hundred kids a summer, right? He runs a little summer camp and it's nice. like, he goes, look, if you're having a problem, he goes more likely than not, I've already seen that problem. So I can yeah. help you. That's you know? true. And so the same thing yeah. from us, like, look, I was that guy catching takeoff at one point. I was that uh-huh. guy that had my kids <laughs> doing runbacks. It's just after coaching all these years and after coaching all these vaulters and seeing the jumps that I see, this is a better vantage point. Uh-huh. This is a better system. It's producing more consistency, which oh yeah, 100% is an issue in our sport. Consistency is a big, oh. big issue, and nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about it. Any of the, That's especially true. on the professional know, level, it's like when, when the, these guys and girls are off a foot, foot and a half, and this and that, nobody wants to talk about the consistency issues. But look, if you're catching mids, if you're stabilizing that run mm-hmm. and watching it from the, the vantage points that we watch, it just makes it easier. We oh. wouldn't be doing this, wouldn't be wasting time no, otherwise. No. But I'll use a line from Tim Beach. You know, Tim. Yep. And, and hopefully he's going to be on the podcast in a couple of weeks. He was texting me the other ah, day. Ah, very good. Yeah, but he has a famous line. Because sometimes, here's the thing, I get it. Like, if you're winning, if you're the top in your area, what what's your motivation to add mids to your arsenal? You're already winning. Sure. But the thing is, you could be even better. You could make the area more competitive. You could bring more vaulters in the system. Because maybe, yeah, when you get a stud, you could finagle without mids. Maybe mm-hmm. if you have a stud, you can skip some of the things that we're going to talk about even going forward in this podcast. But when you get the average or below average athlete, but they really love this sport and they want to participate, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really tough to coach those kids without all the, without teaching the skills, without using the tools oh, like yeah. mid marks. And so Tim Beach always had a line. He goes, in the land of the blind, even the one eyed Jack is king. <laughs> so for those of you that are not getting that, Think about That's it. Good. If everyone else is blind, even that dude with one eye one can eye. figure it out, and he's number one. Okay, yep. so that's the thing. It's like if if you're the only coach in your area, yeah, like maybe you can get by. You have one or two studs a year, and you know whatever. But if you're trying to grow the sport in the area, and I think that's really really huge. And I just posted today on Instagram and Twitter and, and Facebook about this. But it's like we have to be more inclusive. So we have to use any tool we have in our arsenal oh. to get more and more kids yeah. into this if we're really interested in the growth of the sport. Mm-hmm. 
Now, if on the other hand, you have selfish motivations purely, not to say that I don't have some selfish motivations, I definitely want to win. Oh, but, absolutely. But if you but... only have selfish motivations, like I want to be the coach of the county champ and that's all I care about, then okay, keep going, yeah. doing what you're doing. Yeah. But if you really want to grow the sport and see it become more popular, then you have to use all these tools at hand. Absolutely. Let, let's talk about skill development now, right? Because I, I think that's the, the next page, right? And there's something I've been talking about a lot at the club, and I'm sure Mike Lorick uh, would appreciate this. We always talk about Karate Kid, the movie, <laughs> and how much you can learn about coaching from here. But I think the the martial arts system, right, like when you think about doing something like karate or jiu-jitsu, right, uh-huh. they have a great grading system. It's yeah, the amazing. Belts. The belts. Yeah. And think about this. Like, so you literally are wearing your grade. So if you've been yes. at a jujitsu gym for a year and you still wear white, people are like, oh, uh, what not are you, good. What are you doing? <laughs> you got to be progressing, right? And if you have a or black what aren't belt, you doing? Yeah. those people are given lots of respect. And the thing that's really great in martial arts about the belt system, the belt system is not a reflection of athleticism. It's a reflection of skill acquisition. Mm-hmm. So there are plenty of black belts that are not world champs because they're not athletic enough. Yeah. But on the other hand, there are world champs who aren't black belts because they're not skillful enough. So in the martial arts world, there's a lot of respect for skill. And I think sometimes in the pole vault, we don't respect the skills enough. Like what? Take us through maybe like – the skill progression or drills that you guys use at vertical to kind of take a kid through, like how do you, how do you teach skill? Cause I mean, you guys are one of the clubs that I've always looked up to. And, and I think it's great to bounce ideas off of yeah. because there's definitely a respect for skill. I mean, I, I remember, uh, you know, cello would joke that Mike would go to a meet and he could roll out with his like little group of midget girls, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like these five foot girls are all jumping 11, 12 feet. Yeah. And it's like, well, you have to be teaching skill if you're constantly taking these kids who maybe aren't super, super athletic, mm-hmm. but they're super, super skillful. So, well, know, what are the for, things that for you For me, do? okay, and I, and I tell the kids this all the time. Um, for me, I, I feel like building all the skills in the vault is like from a three-step in. Right. We do a lot of short runs, a lot, a lot of short yeah, yeah, runs. Yeah. Ones, twos, threes, e- even zeros, you know, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. You do zeros, but um, – Here's a good example. Uh, Even just today. So we were doing some straight pole drills. Okay. Which, you know, a lot of people are all about bent pole, bent pole, bent pole. Got to do everything on a bent pole and from a long run all the time. Yes. Um, So we were working on jumping up grip. So we were on a two-step today. The kids started at, you know, like a two-in-one grip. Okay. Um, Well, explain that because a lot of people that are listening are not going to understand Oh, okay. So what's a two-in-one grip? So a two-in-one grip is you, you put the pole by your side. You reach your hand up. Okay, okay, above your head. You keep that hand hold, then you bring the pole down, and you measure up from that hand, two arms, right. two so forearms. Sta- standing grip plus two forearms. Yep. Two okay. forearms and one more fist. Okay. So that's a two-in-one grip. Okay. That's that's how we do it. And yeah, I should explain that. Some, <laughs> sometimes I'll have beginners come in. I'm like, all right, guys, well, we're going to start from a one. You're going to hold like... You know, one and one, and they look at me, and I'm like, "Oh shoot, that's right." Yeah, yeah you guys don't know what that means yet, right? So, well, and, um, and actually, that's why I'm, I'm probably going to do a podcast soon. Um, somebody's been commenting on some of the Instagram stuff, and he he has lots of questions. I sometimes forget what's an important question. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like so something like that. We could just like blast through something, and yeah. then like someone's gonna be like, "Wait, I don't understand I don't, half the stuff." Uh, they just let's go back about. to step one. Yeah, I have yeah. no idea what that. So meant. two and one is is standing grip plus two two forearms, two so, arms and a and, fist. Yeah. And there are two lefts. Yeah, there are two lefts, and 
they're just they're trying to jump the pole up to vertical. They're trying right. to keep pole speed. So just um, take off. Just take off. Yeah. No swing. Stay behind the pole, meaning right. your hips don't pass the pole. Right, 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 right. Um, and they're they're trying to set a benchmark. Really, they're trying to. Right. Okay, so if they come down and they and they they use that two and one grip like we talked about, and they move the pole really well, and the pole moves fast. All right, let's take another grip. Right. Okay. Move back a little bit on the runway. Oh, you moved it again. Great. Okay. Let's take another grip. And it gets to the point where, you know, it's, it's so high that they're doing all they can to really jump that grip up and get that pole to move. Right. Right. But it's so high, the pole just eh, doesn't quite move. It really starts to right. slow down or maybe it doesn't even a hundred percent get to vertical. Right. Well then, okay. They set a benchmark and yeah, they know, and that's okay. Their mark. Let's say it's 11 foot grip. For, yeah, sure. Really sure. And, um, they're like, okay, you know, this is where I'm holding. So, and we encourage all of our kids to take notes, whether right. they put it in their phone after yeah, practice, yeah. whether mm-hmm. they have an actual notebook, take notes, take notes, take notes. So they could go after practice and write down, oh, you know, I, I was, I was on a two step today doing straight pole. Uh, some people call it a pop up drill or a stand up right, right, right. or whatever. Um, and I got to an 11 foot grip. So they know what they did and they know they're trying to beat that the next, right. the next time they right. do that. And that's just one skill is jumping the pole up. Right. You know? And especially stiff pole. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, yeah. I think that makes a big difference. And there you take away the bending pole, which sometimes, like Sergey Bupka has said in the past, masks mistakes oh, in the yeah. ball. Oh, yeah, yeah, And so you're really learning how to run and jump up. And uh, the, the other thing, too, is, look, even that desirable takeoff that we want, like a good jump up. Mm-hmm. With lower grips, it's easy. And what you tend to notice, and this is great, again, from a coach's perspective, like if you're watching this countless times, what you notice is when you get that grip just to roll over, sometimes the takeoff ends up being a little bit flatter. Yeah, The run gets maybe a little bit too stretched out. And so what is that telling you as a vault coach? Probably your best chance for your kids to really PR when they're even back at a full is to grip them down a just little a more. little oh, bit yeah. so they can move that pole better and actually focus on the swing mm-hmm. instead of just trying to get into the pit. Yeah. So it's like, it's a, and it's a great teaching tool for the kid because they know then what their limits are and uh-huh. what that feels like. Even though it's a two, look, it's safer at a two. It's stiff pull. You're making sure they're not going to get rejected. You're always making sure they're getting in the pit. And so they can feel what it's like when it's like, okay, I'm at my limits. Mm -hmm. This is what's capable. So there's so much that goes into like just that drill alone that that really can teach the kid and then also teach you as a coach what's happening physically when you push limits. Because I unfortunately, I think this is a beginner mistake too. How many times when you're a beginner coach, you watch a kid come down. They get stood up and you're like, come on, just try harder. Oh, yeah. I mean, regardless of whatever the coaching cue was, but it kind of fizzled down to just try harder. Yeah, yeah. Come just, on, don't you want it? Run harder, hit the pole more, you know. Right. Instead of seeing that this kid's at his his or her physical limits. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're Well, and for me, I mean, and, and some coaches, it's, it's, it is what it is that given day. But I like the standards to be kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. 24. Yeah. Um, for me, if a kid's constantly jumping at buried standards, 31 and a half, I'm thinking, well, you know, you probably want to go go up a pole or, right. or, you know, if they're always deep, always deep, always deep, okay, let's go pole. But on the other end, I mean, you definitely don't want a kid on 18, 18, 18, 20 well, all the time. Well, you, 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 know? you bring up a good point there because, you know, I tend to always, I feel like 
at my club, I'll have the standards at 28.30, but oh, I remember... We have ours back all the time, yeah. But, but you bring up a good point, because I felt like at certain points uh, of certain athletes' careers or time of year, it's like, I'm like, dude, these kids are moving the pole so well, they're blowing through, yeah. and now when I go up, they kind of balk, but it's like, yeah, because they're so used to the standards being at 30, they Way think, deep, they think yeah. 24, 22 is dangerous, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, and so sometimes, like you said, it's kind of, sometimes you might need to come into 24 mm-hmm. at least, you know, so just to give the kids an idea, like, you're still really deep. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I mean? it, like I said, if they're used to jumping at like 18 and 20, that's when I that's, worry. Yeah, well, and, where do you go from there? Well... You know, well, well, there you go. I mean, it kind of feeds right back into the other stuff we were saying. Well, what skill can we work on to get them to land deeper? Yeah. Even even just the one skill we just talked about. Can we get them to do a better job coming into the takeoff, jumping the pull up, and getting you know more pole speed, well, landing deeper? Well, right. And so let's talk about this, and maybe we can get to a different drill now too. But. I, I love that takeoff to left drill that you're talking about, especially on a stiff pole, because what the kids are learning there too, I mean, obviously they're learning how to run, they're learning how to take off, they're jumping up off the ground, mm-hmm. but they're learning pole speed. They're learning what it feels like to move the pole to vertical. Yeah. I, I feel like now the second half is now moving yourself, moving your body, swing uh-huh. speed. So there's pole speed and swing speed. And I look, again... I'm speaking in general here, but I have noticed that there's some people that move the pole well, don't have swing speed. Uh-huh. Then there's some people that have really good swing speed, but don't, don't move, move the, the pole. pole. And you really need both, right? Oh, so yeah. So it's like, how do you address this as a coach? So so now we've done the takeoff drill. Let's say I'm, I'm doing well. I'm a kid going through your program. Now you think it's time for me to work on my swing. What do you, What do you guys do? So, okay, so I'll address it in terms of, like, a beginner. Okay. So um, I might just do elevated box drills from a zero. Okay. And and work on the swing that way. Um, So we have some boxes that are, you know, about two feet in the air. Mm -hmm. Um, You put them on the edge of the box, which is right right at the back of the the box there, the pit. Right, right. Some people call it different things. But – what we'll do is obviously you're, you want them to take a few and just roll the pole over into the pit. Right. But then we're really focusing on, all right, did I drive my knee? Um, and then how am I getting the swing started? Right. Okay. Am I, am I committing through the trail leg? Am I swinging through the heel? Am I swinging long through the trail leg? Right. Um, one of the big things I see, and especially with the evolution of pole vault where, where you see a lot of people tucking their trail leg just pulling yeah. their trail leg in yeah yeah we still are big on the modality of long trail leg yeah, yeah okay yeah. nice straight trail leg no pointed toe swinging through the heel all that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff so by boiling it down and taking away uh all the runway the, the run the yeah, runway yeah, yeah. Speed, you have no runway speed you can specifically focus on the movement of the swing so what we might do is we'll take them, you know, we'll do the elevated box swings and we'll have them swing to a seated position. Right. Okay. And then we'll have them swing to their back. Right. Okay. Um, and I've even had some kids do like an inverted swing off of a box drill, right. but that's a more advanced drill. Right. And you, you have know, to be strong enough for yeah, that. Yeah. Because with zero speed, enough. zero takeoff, it, yeah. you have to really be strong upper body to yeah. be able to get yourself, you know, doing full jumps from yeah. zero. Yeah. And even on, on that drill as part of the progression, okay, swing to the seated position. But then as soon as you go to their back, okay, 
Is the kid landing on their back by throwing their shoulders yeah, and like, head back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or are they rotating the body? Right. Are they, are, are they breaking at the hip and rotating the body? And you can see that so easy. You right. know, as, as a coach, you know, standing from the side, especially, you know, I, again, having seen as many jumpers as, as we have. And so, listen, this is what I think, guys. Everything Doug is saying is awesome. If he doesn't post a video of something like this, <laughs> you guys should hit his DM up. It's vertical assault. Just hit his DMs up and be like, yo, we want to see those, those uh, platform zero drills. We'll definitely but, have yeah. to put up a, a post about that. But um, so right from there, you know, you get the kid the awareness of what they mm. need to do. And, hey, maybe you need to take a little bit longer. Maybe you need to drill it more. Yeah. Because I actually saw this quote probably about a year ago. It said, don't do it till you get it right. Do it until you can't get it wrong. Yeah, Meaning, exactly. Meaning, okay, oh, we did this drill. All right, we did it five times. Oh, now you got it right. Okay, let's move on. No, 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 no. Do it five more times the right way. Right. And ingrain that. Ingrain well, it in the muscles. Ingrain it in the mind, you well, know. Well, and that that's something that I, I honestly, I think it's easier with beginners. Sometimes the more advanced kids, like, they might have something that's been a bad habit mm, for a little oh, while. That's and they finally really br- break it on a rep. And the thing is, right there, it's like I feel like i got to grab the kid and be like, okay, that's great that you fixed it right now. What's going to happen when it's third attempt, yep. make or break, yep. going up a pull? And that's this, focus. I yeah, mean. so it's like every time we do this drill, yeah. you got to rep <laughs> it like this. Every time. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the zero drills are great. And I think getting a, a – you know, I think sometimes people go crazy with platforms. I've seen platforms that look like oh. they're 10 feet in the air or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean we but don't – I think just that two-foot platform is great. It's easy. It's safe. Right? Yeah. And the thing that I always tell people is like what you have to make the kid aware of is the pole speed. And then, okay, now that we swing, is the pole speed still good or are you slowing down the pole speed? Yeah. Because you have to be aware of your swing speed plus that pole speed. Because a lot of kids, you'll see it. They'll get – I think a lot of times like when you say that they pull their legs in, they don't have a long left leg. A lot of times they're blocky and then they tuck their legs in. Or they just completely collapse yep. and fold up. And so it's like they're just hanging, you know? And so it's like you got to get that kid to understand how to move the pole and swing at the same time. Yeah. But once that kid masters that drill, I mean, at that point, you know, it's like that's pole vault. And and now we're just bu- yeah. building speed. Yeah, really. Point. I mean, and and kind of piggybacking off, off of that idea, you know, we – you know, there's <laughs> there's a great debate over do you row or do you not row? Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, some people you row, you don't row, you don't, you know. And even that one um, black and white video on YouTube, Boobka's right. six meter vault. Yeah, 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 You know, it even says right there. This is where they, you know, some people have said Boobka actively rows, but yeah, yeah. you know, many people say they don't. We we try to look at it as we want you to come into the takeoff, hit a real good stretch. And then we call it setting the pole. Like Mike and I have gotten, uh, yeah. and Mike, you mentioned Mike Lorick earlier. Mm-hmm. We've gotten away from this idea of row the pole, row the pole. And we say set the pole. Mm-hmm. So you come out of your stretch and you just kind of set the pole and start moving the pole forward. But it's, it's, for us, it's not a, um, we don't want to come down because mm-hmm. we, we feel that's pulling, which I'm not saying anything against pulling. No, okay? it's fine. Um, but it, it's a way for us to try to get the kid to make space. Right, right. Okay. Right. Make, make space forward. And keep the pole moving. Right, right. You know, right. C- continue the pole speed, keep the pole rolling over into the pit. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's just, that's another thing that we could say as we're doing that drill. Right, right. Is, right. hey, let's see if you can, if you can set the pole. Um, and we have stubbies, you know, stubbies, just little 
cut down crossbars right. that we can show the kids these, these movements with their arms. Right. Um, uh, you know, and they just get the idea and it's, you know, kind of monkey see, monkey do. Right. And then they just try to copy what they're doing yeah. with the drill. Well, it, so it, interesting too, like bringing up the stubbies, like I always feel like people need to start thinking about, okay, am I teaching a movement or am I building strength? Because I feel like sometimes that stuff gets mixed up. Like, obviously, I think when we're at the pit, we're, we're doing the movement. But now you have to build strength away from the pit to oh. be able to do the movement better. Obviously, with something like the stubby, again, you're learning the movement. Mm-hmm. You know, it allows the kid to kind of go through the movement if they can't. I, You know, a lot of people even post stuff with, like, pool vaulting. I think that's a great idea for movement. Now, here, yeah, there's no, there, yeah, there's no strength that we're right, right, there, right. But, yeah. Right, but so here's my thing, you know, and and – you know, I, I think you guys do an awesome job. I see you guys do movement stuff. And then when I see them at a meet, I see that movement in their jump. Uh-huh. But unfortunately I, I see a lot of people doing movement type drills. And then when you go watch their kid at a, a meet, you don't see that in the vault, mm. you know? And I, I feel like even look again, going back to early mistakes, I've been there. I feel like I did a lot of high bar work that I think high bar work does help build strength, but it's it's largely movement-based, like whether it's pullovers, mm-hmm. some people do giants. I, I kind of tend to feel like giants aren't that important yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like there's a lot of momentum built with like swinging back and forth yeah. and then just kind of holding on. Um, I like the pullover better, swing-ups, bupkas. You know, oh, yeah. You're building all this strength, you know, and especially lat strength. I feel like people don't realize how important the lat is in the vault. And then it's like your kids go vault, and they're just pressing against the pole. Yeah. And pressing you know, against and they can't swing, they can't get upside down. Right, and know. they're not efficient either. I mean, no. how many kids I see who are clearing maybe their grip or if they can do an 8-inch push, that's, like, amazing. And we're talking about high school boys sometimes, you know, yeah, which yeah, yeah. that – I mean, you, you should be able to open an 8-inch push. I mean, my, my sophomore, and sure, he's a little bit exceptional, but really efficiency-wise, not that crazy. But it's like – he was gripping 13, opened at 13 in State Meet of Champs. But even one of my, my guys that was a sophomore last year, he could grip 11-9, jumped 12. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and he would open at like 11-6, so almost 8-inch push. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so it's like, that's the thing. It's like, that shouldn't be that crazy. And especially when you see a guy jumping 14 and he's gripping 14, it's like yeah. at that point he's athletic enough. It's okay. He should be able to push a lot more than eight yeah, inches. Yeah, that's only an eight inch push. So, yeah. But the thing is like, you have to look at the movement. If you're training certain movement patterns, but then you're not seeing it in the jump, there's a disconnect between the movement and the actual vault. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's where I feel like the drills that, you know, you just explained, like with, with the platform, they're learning the movement in the vault mm-hmm. and then you can then you can build strength away from from the yeah. pit you yeah. know and and along and along that drill movement as well so yeah we can do a zero swing on the boxes on the elevated boxes we even have enough boxes we can set it back further and we can do a one step off of that right but then even right after that we go to the runway right all right we give them an appropriate grip that we know is going to move Nothing, you know, nothing aggressive. Obviously, there's no need to do that when the focus is the swing. Right. Um, obviously, if the pole moves too fast, right, you've got to take some grip. But you know, we'll do that on the boxes. Then we'll we'll get on the runway. Okay, let's do this from a two. Right. All right. Jump the pole up, and you know, like the other drill we talked about, maybe we did that the week before, or the two weeks before. You right. know, 
whatever you know they need in the sequence of things. So they already have that skill. Now we're going to add on to it. Right. Um, let's do it from a two and let's use this grip. All right, let's do it from a three. So now they're introducing speed to it as well. Right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Because, because that's part of the skill too. I, I mean, I feel like, I think maybe for, for, for you and for me, sometimes we're so skill heavy that we forget, you know, that dynamic of what happens when <laughs> speed is added. Gotta get so back there. You definitely, yeah, you definitely gotta go back. Um, here's my thing though. I feel like a lot of times you might have a vaulter listening or a coach listen and be like, well, I've got this boy, he jumps 15 feet, he's on 15 sevens, you know, whatever. And like the kid can't do a zero or a one. Like not, po- I mean, you've seen this happen. Oh, I'm yeah. Sure, yeah. Where they literally, they don't understand how to move the pole without speed. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like, I think the problem with pole vault, and this is where I, I feel like the belt system in, in martial yeah. arts is so amazing. People don't respect the skill enough. And so now when they have like a big athletic kid, they're like, well, I don't care about that skill because my guy jumps 15. Yeah. I don't care about your 12 foot guy. But what they're not realizing is that 12 foot guy is more skillful. He knows how to, he knows how to move the pole from yeah. a one, a zero. He knows he can push eight inches from a three. Yeah. Whereas your guy is pushing eight inches from a full approach. <laughs> from a seven or So an it's like if you put the guy at a three, he's probably going negative push at a three because he doesn't have no speed, yeah. you know? Yeah. So if people respected the skill more, you know, and, and kind of going back to stuff that we talked about earlier, like even stuff that we've picked up as we've coached at clubs and, and you know, started to work with more and more kids and had it to develop a system. It's like whether it's skill, the mid-mark, you know, not running your steps back, not uh-huh. having to do that. You know, if more people added this, you might see some kids who are really, really athletic kind of jumping even higher. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I see it. I mean, I, I'll go to some some meets and you'll see a kid, you know, um, who's obviously a talented athlete. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, we, we were we were talking about an athlete earlier, you know, we were we were giving kudos to the kid for how high they jump. Yeah. But it's like, man, can you imagine if they fixed that part of their run or right, this right. this part of their plant or this part of the swing, how much higher they would jump? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and who knows what system they're in or right. maybe they have limited resources and they, they don't have the chance to, you know, well, to build on that. But well, I, I would even say with people with limited resource, here's the thing. Everything is about hard work. So if you have limited resources, one, I mean, I remember my first year of coaching, I bought like, I think three or four poles my first year on my own. Oh, I don't think I got anything. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the other thing I would say is reach out. It doesn't cost oh, you a yeah. thing to like call someone or DM someone. And sure. Look, if they're in the area, they might be willing to help out. I mean, I can't tell you how many people contact me all the time about poles and I'm always willing to help. You know, I mean, heck, even rival clubs. You know, they'll, <laughs> they'll reach out to me and I, I'm always uh, more than happy to help because to me, it's like, look, I never want someone to go without. If I can help you, I'm going to help you. Yeah. Look, I'm sure. Now, if you live like, let's say in Georgia, I'm not driving all the <laughs> way down in Georgia to deliver you a pole. I can't do that. <laughs> but if I can, I'll help you. But there might be someone in your area that's willing to help. I mean, there's almost a pole vault club in almost every state, you know? Oh, so yeah. You just got to figure it out. Um, but yeah, I, I cut you off. So. I feel like what, what the heck were you saying? No, I, I was just commenting on, you know, sometimes we see really talented athletes yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and you, you know there's more there. And like, you know, you're not their coach, but you so bad just want to like walk up to them and say that one little yeah, thing. Hey, yeah. um, try try to do this on your next jump. But like, I feel like if people were a little bit more open and yeah. and the public community was a little more uh, open to. You know, others helping out. And you just know how, discussion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, from our standpoint, again, we, we run clubs. We've seen thousands and thousands of jumps. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe have even worked with a couple thousand athletes. Right. Um, you know, we've seen a lot. We've experienced a lot. Why would anyone, you know, be offended if, you know, you went up to a, a coach or an athlete and meet and say, hey, try this. I think this will help. Um, well, and, and look, it all has to make sense too. Like, obviously if like, look, some crazy guy walks up to you and says some crazy <laughs> stuff, maybe you don't do it. Yeah. Well. But I'll, I'll give an example. I talked earlier about the girl that jumped 11, four for me with 11, nine grip on a 1345. Mm. And I mistakenly that day, I was like, well, if she's going to clear 11, we need 11, nine grip. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, now that girl was five foot six, 135 pounds. She could incline bench 115, 120 pounds. She was box squatting about 225, which I thought was amazing then. Now I'd be like, that's, <laughs> she had to do more. Yeah, but, to 300, but, come on. <laughs> but she, she was a strong girl, athletic, and I thought she needed 11.9 grip for that 11 foot bar. Now this year, I've had a girl who's five foot one, weighs 115 pounds, very strong. The girl is strong. She's uh, single leg squatted, I believe, 230, 235. Oh, boy. Yeah. I know but, who you're talking about. Yeah. She's definitely but, a strong kid. Yeah. But she she's cleared 11 with 10-9 grip. Yeah. Like a foot lower. Right. So it's like <laughs> if, if me now could have walked up to me then, you know what I mean? Like I would have loved to hear what advice was out there because – here, and here's the thing. For me, at the end of the day, I'm just trying to get my kids to jump higher. I want them to be successful. That's all we want. So if somebody had advice for me, like, guys, you have no idea. Like, I completely revamped my club when I met Roman Bacharnikov because yeah. I knew it was going to be a better system. Like, I'm willing to do anything if it's going to work. Like, if Doug told me right now that if I have my kids hop on one leg, they'll PR <laughs> a foot, everybody in my club would be hopping on one leg if I really thought if it would really work. If you really thought it would work, yeah, you know? sure. So, I mean, that's the thing. You you have to be open. Like, check your ego and be willing to change. You know what I yeah. mean? Be willing to yeah. open up and add to your repertoire. I think even sometimes – I mean, I remember – you know, look, and I can imagine the evolution. You first took off, uh, took over at Vertical Assault. You're coaching the club. You probably felt like you were, like, drowning in the middle of the oh ocean and just trying to keep your head above yeah, water. Yeah, yeah, But once you got a handle, it was like – I know we've had the conversation about adding more strength work in, you know, making sure the kids are working out, Mm -hmm. you know, periodizing the training. It's all layers. We're all trying to add layers as the years go on. And I'm telling you right now, if you're not adding layers, if your excuse for why you're not using mid marks is, well, we've never used mid marks. Okay. So you've never evolved. So yeah. Now introduce them into your training and- See what it does for you. Right. I mean, I, I just feel like you have to constantly be thinking about growing and learning. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. look, when me and you catch up, it's like always like we're trying to rack our brains trying to get our kids to the next bar. Uh-huh. And look, I don't care where it comes from. If you have something that can help my kids, I'll take it. Heck, even if some just random person has a good idea, I'm going to take sure. it. You know, if I think it's going to work, absolutely. Now. On the flip side, I'll tell you what, though. If somebody tries to tell me that catching mids are dumb, 
oh. to take a layer <laughs> away. Be like, you don't need that. Well, I already know the value it oh, brings. Yeah, you can't convince I, me to stop using mids. That would be like telling someone like, hey, you don't need to to uh, use your phone for email and texting. You can just send letters. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, um, let's go back to, uh, what's yeah. that, 1970? Right, <laughs> right. It's like, no, I'm trying to move forward. I'm not trying to go backwards, <laughs> you know? And, and so, and, and these are just huge things. I mean, um, I guess another thing that I want to bring up, uh, and, and obviously anything else that you want to talk about, let's talk about. But I just feel like even, you know, going back to skill and progression and, and trying to teach those skills, I feel like people overvalue polls too much sometimes. Like I think we are, we have a, we have a, a, a luxury here that we have every poll that we need, but, Instead of teaching skill, there's a lot of people out there that are just like, I just need to buy the next pole or oh, I just yeah. need a different pole. Maybe if I go with this kind of pole or mm-hmm. that kind of – and it's like, look, your kid has to pole vault. They yeah. have to run down the runway. They have to jump up. They have to swing. They mm-hmm. have to move the pole. I don't care what sticker is on the pole. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't care what you know plug is on the end. You know. You have to be teaching that skill. I feel like that's something that we learn really early on. It's like yeah. you can switch Lucky the poles enough. all you want, but at some point, if that kid doesn't learn the skill, they're yeah. stuck. Yeah, well, I, and I, I feel I was lucky early on because, um, you know, like I said, I started coaching in Stroudsburg at two, yeah. in 2003. Um, the vertical assault had opened, you know, we were talking about that earlier, yeah. either within the next year or yeah, it was yeah. – was, it was very, very soon after that. And I actually had athletes early on in Stroudsburg catching wind of this place, this yeah, yeah, yeah. magical place that, you know, that coaches yeah, kids yeah. and is getting kids to jump high. And, you know, the kids used to ask me, hey, do, do you mind if I go here? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was not egotistical at all. I was like, if you're going to get better, if you're going to get extra help, go. Yeah. Go ahead. And then so – not only did that help me because the kids would come to the club and then they'd come back to me and they'd go, well, I kind of did this at the club and it helped. You know, I kind of did this yeah. and, and that helped. And I go, oh, all right, cool. So let's let's do that. Yeah. And then I'd use that on another kid. Right. And then I'd go to meets and I'd see Mike or Cello and I'd hear them telling right. kids cues and meets. Right. And Mike would even come up to me and and. It would be a kid that's not even in the club. And again, we hit on this earlier. He'd come to me and be like, you know, if you lowered her grip, you know, she'd get into the pit a little bit better and, you know, it'd be safer. And, you know, she still has a she good chance of a making that shot. bar. Yeah, she's a you know, shot. and I go, hey, thanks. Cool. And immediately I'm going, all right, this guy knows a lot about the pole vault already. You know, more than I know, he's pumping out, you know, a lot of good athletes. Right. I'm, I'm absolutely taking that advice, turning right to my kid and going, right. hey, Come down a grip, yeah. you know, and, and that also ties in like what we were saying. I, um, we're, we're really just out to help, you know, right. everybody, whether it's kids that train with us or kids we see in a meet, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We're just trying yeah. to help everybody, you yeah. know, coaches, athletes alike, you know, whatever. Yeah. Whoever I, we can help. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, I know I got off topic there. <laughs> no, 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 no. I look, I think it's all good stuff. I mean, Look, I, I could share similar experiences, you know, whether it's with Mike or anyone else where I was at a meet and, you know, I would want him to tell me something. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like that, that story I said when I first brought my kids in here and they were a little intimidated, <laughs> you know, the thing is for me, I like, man, I looked forward to like someone being able to maybe like 
get them a little higher, yeah, you know, knowing sure. something that I didn't know, you know, that was exciting for me. And I mean, look, I still, to this day, I, I search out stuff all the time. If I could find oh, some drill yeah. or I, if I could find some progression or if somebody has a system that I think is really, really kicking ass, mm-hmm. I want to know about it because I want to know how I can help my kids. I mean, that's even why I stepped outside of pole vault for some information. You know, it's like I've, I've looked into the powerlifting Lifting, world, you know, yeah. strength and conditioning world to see, you know, what else can I add there? What layers and wrinkles can I add there to help my kids, you know, take it to the next level? Well, I constantly look up YouTube videos mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm on pole vault power, just yeah, reading yeah. general discussion stuff because, you know, yeah, we've coached a lot of kids. We've seen a lot of jumps, but do I necessarily have the magic words or you know all the information in the world? No, no, I, I don't have everything. So I'm always looking for more. Yeah. I'm always looking for hey, or or maybe maybe it's just another cue. Maybe you're trying to get a, an athlete to do something, and you know three different ways to say it or three different ways to try and work it, but it's not. You know, maybe it's just not hitting for them quite yet. So you see a video or you hear something, you go, oh, that might be the ticket. So, I mean, gaining knowledge is is always happening. I mean, sure. And look, there's like similar mistakes that everybody deals with that they see with kids. And, you know, maybe somebody just has a different approach with it. It's not even a technical difference. It's just a different way of approaching it. You know, I know even for me, like I'm at the point where, you know, like we were talking about before, getting the kids to feel pole speed, getting the kids to feel swing speed starts to become more and more important because I think sometimes it's very easy to just put the kid in the right spot and it works, but the kid is not aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, which, I mean, one, I think sometimes that puts the kid in a tough spot because if it's ever too much grip, they won't feel that it's not enough pole speed. Mm-hmm. That could be an issue. They'll swing on a jump that they shouldn't. Yeah. You know, come up short. The other thing is, dangerous. they don't know, like, we were talking about this, this girl that's in co- college tonight. It's like, yeah. they then have a tough time at the next level if they're not getting adequate coaching. And we, we, look, we both know there's a lot of great college coaches out there. Yeah, absolutely. But there's a lot more colleges that don't even have a pole vault coach. Yeah. Never, you know, uh, Never mind a competent one or whatever. They just don't even have a, a pole vault coach. So those kids have to be more aware of their jump. Otherwise, that becomes a huge, huge issue and, and stalls their progression. And that's the thing. I mean, that's where, that's where she's at. I mean, we've got to develop a system this summer. And I've told her when you go back to college, just send me some videos. I'll be right. I'm happy to help yeah. as you're away. I mean, that's a girl who she started with us towards the tail end of her Junior year. Okay. Uh, jumping with us here. And she came consistently over the next year and she gained three feet. Wow. Three feet. She went yeah. from eight feet to 11 feet. Yeah. Um, and she couldn't have been happier. Yeah. You yeah. know, she even said, um, when she started her senior year of vaulting doing, doing indoor stuff, she, uh, you know, I, I'm always interested in what the kids right. are going to do after high school. Are you gonna Are you gonna go jump in college? You know, what, yeah, what, yeah. what's your plan? And she said, "Well, I don't know. I don't really jump that high." You know, she had jumped like eight, six, or nine right. feet or something. And I go, "Hey, uh, there's D one right down through D three, and and you never know. You never yeah. know what they're looking for." But you know, as she made the next bar and made the next bar and made the next bar, she gained more confidence. She was happier yeah. in the sport, 
you know, and in a way, it, it could have even affected her entire life. Right. I mean, you see it in kids and yeah. how, you know, uh, any sport really, you know, you know, that sport can help them in, in many facets, you know, well, well, of their life in well, general. Yeah, I, t- I told you about that G- Gabby podcast. I mean, I've had people reach out to me and you know for those of you that don't know gabby mercurio she's only four foot eleven when she first came to the club she couldn't even get into the pit forget about clearing a bar you know what i mean it was like oh my goodness this girl's gotta roll the pole over yeah and she ended up jumping 10 at the end of high school and jumped 11 four and three quarters in college but it's like and look talk about you know evolution or mind uh, mental state like when i was coaching at that point it was like every kid i coached was breaking records and when Gabby showed up, even me, I had a little bit of the attitude like, oh, my God, what am I going to do <laughs> with this girl, you know? And the thing is, like, now I'm at a different stage where it's like, no, I, w- I want to coach anybody. Like, I can't even yep. imagine saying no to somebody because this sport is amazing. And like you said, that 8-6 girl comes to your club and now she's at 11. Yeah. Like, that, that's awesome, you know? Um, but, heck, even that kid that just kind of is at that level where maybe their, their progression is seven to nine, you know, yeah, sure. That's awesome too. Whatever. And like the Gabby podcast, you know, that changed her life. You know what I mean? Just the way she thinks mm-hmm. about things is at a different yeah, level, yeah, yeah. you know, when it's such an enriching experience like that, um, you know, why, why not allow a kid to do that? And like you said, I've had kids where they're worried about like, well, I don't know if I jump high enough to go to college. Yeah. And it's like, well, you can find a college I'll be interested in you. Sure. I mean, I even had a seven six girl one time. She ended up going to I think Delaware Valley over here. Okay, and they were happy to have her on the team. She ended up jumping nine ten while she was in college. There you go. That's awesome. And she yeah. scored a couple points at the conference uh-huh. meet for the team. Like awesome. That's cool. So you could always find some place. You know? Yeah, I mean, for me, when when like you said about that one girl. Um, Oh, why can't I think of her name? You just said her name. Gabby. Anyway, Gabby, Gabby. Gabby, sorry. Um, you know, she came in the door and you're like, oh boy, I wonder what I'm ever going to do with yeah. this athlete. And, you know, and you said as you get further along, you coach more and more kids, like you kind of get the, the mindset. Like, you, uh, you know, we'll, I'll see some new kids come in, beginners, yeah. and we're doing the warm up stuff. And you see that maybe they're struggling a little bit with it. It almost becomes a little side project in my head. It's yeah, like, it's a okay, challenge. Yeah, yeah, this this one, they're not quite getting the skips or they're not quite getting the cycling work. What can I do to get that, you right. know, that athlete, you know, up up to the, the next level? So, yeah. I mean, and I look at, honestly, every single kid. I know we've had a, a lot of kids in the club, and I know you, got, you have yeah. a lot of kids in your club as well. But it's like, I know every kid. Mm-hmm. I know what their tendencies are. I know, you know, how they run. I know what uh general mistakes they might make um you know every every last kid and and every last bar is important i mean i'll have a girl who will send me a message after a meet i pr today and jumped seven feet that's awesome yeah you know they're excited i'm excited you know it's great you know that that message is as valuable to me as the girl that says, I PR'd yeah. at 12 feet today. Yeah. You know, I want to just see every kid growing. I mean, I know that's how well, you guys are too. Well, and you know what's interesting? And as speaking of like kind of stepping outside of the sport, and I've been talking about martial arts a lot. There's this one uh, coach that I follow in jiu-jitsu. His name is John Donaher. He's okay. like really, really good. He actually did a podcast on Joe Rogan, John Donaher. Rogan, I would re- interesting. Yeah. 
I would highly recommend anybody who coaches any sport, but especially pole vault coaches, to listen to John Donaher podcast because this guy, his approach to jujitsu is just so amazing. Like the mm-hmm. way he thinks, you know. And so there was one post that I fi- I, I, I bookmarked it, and he said this, and I, I'm sure you would agree. Looking at a pole vault practice in this way, he goes, looking out over a crowded training hall, I'm always struck by the thought that potential champions are everywhere. It's just a matter of good coaching married to ambition and discipline that creates the actual champions. Most people have complex lives that take them in many different directions. Thus, their ambitions in jiu-jitsu, for us, pole vault, mm-hmm. um, are usually more modest since they have other priorities and approach the sport as a recreation. That does not blind me to their potential, however. I have recreational students who can give even champions a very hard time indeed on the mat. Never lose sight of the fact that we all have roughly the same potential to excel in the sport. The actual differences are mostly due to lifestyle choices and time committed to training. Have faith that even a recreational approach can produce a shockingly good student in time. Never think that because you are not full-time professional athlete that you cannot excel to a level that even the best will be impressed by. And that kind of goes back to skill acquisition in a sport. You know, and I know, we both have kids in the club that maybe are not our state champs, but their skill in certain aspects, whether it's running form, yeah, whether it's pole runs, whether it's you know the the two step takeoff drills that you uh-huh. were talking about, or the platform zeros, where you could pull aside a state champ and be like, "Look at that! Uh-huh. Do you see what Sally or Johnny are doing?" Yeah. Like, you need to get on that level if you're going to PR. And so it's like that's what always amazes me if if you really see it as a skill instead of just looking at PRs. Because I think I think everybody oh, – yeah. and I think that's something as a beginner coach you get caught up in too. You start PR chasing and all you look at is the PR that's and you're true. not seeing the skill. Yeah. And it's like, man, when you start to think about skills, what that coach John Donaher said can't be more accurate. There are recreational students – that can show a champion what to do. I mean, I can't tell you sure. how many times, like Craig Van Leeuwen, he jumped seventeen eight for me. You know, he was D three national champ. I would constantly, he would get annoyed at me, constantly pull him aside and be like, "Look at what this high school girl is doing. You need to do that because it's like that's great. You're six four, you're sure. one hundred eighty five pounds, and you're a good athlete. But are you skillful enough? Mm-hmm. You know, and that respect for skill, I think, is just so huge. Oh you know? yeah, I mean, I had a boy this year. Um, he, he's, he graduated and he started training with us, I don't know, maybe a year ago and he's kind of on and off, but he ended up jumping 12-3. Okay. Yeah. And he actually PR'd a bunch of times late in the season in his mm-hmm. senior year. And yeah, that was cool and all, but I used to literally show his video to 14 foot boys yeah. and going, look at his swing. Right. He had a great swing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe he lacked a little bit runway speed or he couldn't quite jump up or, you know, and maybe that's why he was, you know, only able to jump 12-3. Maybe if, you know, those other pieces came together, he'd jump higher. But he had one of the best swings, and I would use that as an example. Right. So, and I'd be like, look at that swing. Straight trail leg. He's fast and rotating to the top. You know, it was great. Yeah, and I think that, I guess... To end on this note, unless you have anything else that you want to talk about, no, but I'm like, good. you know, watching the amount of kids that we watch, you know, having a system in place, we see the value of teaching skill. 
Because yes. when you break it down to skill, now you can't just have some macho guy walk in and be like, well, I jumped 15 feet and who cares about skill? Because you you and I both know that 15 footer even, he has to be skillful enough to get to 16, to sure. get to even higher. Yeah. And so if you have a, a training system where there is a respect and regard for skill, now everybody is held accountable. And even, you know, maybe some like little tiny, you know, freshman boy has a skill that that senior boy is missing. And now he has to be held accountable because he's a senior and he should be yeah. beating that freshman boy <laughs> who's getting the skill like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that just helps, you know, and, and that makes the, the whole club progress. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I, I think it's huge. I think if you're not thinking about teaching skills, if you're just caught up in PRs and just mm-hmm. trying to get the grip up, I mean, we're all trying to get the grip up. All right. But well, if yeah, that's the yeah. only Bigger focus, pulse, grips, that's you're not good. teaching the skill to go along with getting the grip because the grip is a byproduct, right? Bending the pole is a byproduct. Mm-hmm. Your PR is a byproduct of the of skills skill development. Yeah, yeah. that you're putting together. Exactly. You know, so you got to focus on developing those skills if you want those byproducts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Doug, I got to thank you. I think hey. this is, I, you know, people are going to get sick of this, but I feel like this is one of my favorite episodes. This is really, really informative. Great. I feel like people yeah. can get a lot out of this and I'm sure we'll do more in the future. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No problem. Um, guys, uh, check us out next time. Make sure, um, Doug, you're, you're on just Instagram or do you guys- We're just on Instagram. Okay. I, I, I'm very active on Instagram. Okay. So check out Vertical Assault on Instagram. Definitely give them a follow. It's just Vertical Assault, right? Yep. Vertical underscore assault. Yep. Okay. Ver- vertical underscore assault. Check them out on Instagram. Obviously, uh, we're at the real apex vaulting on Instagram. Um, I'm getting more active on Twitter. I just kind of started that in the last two <laughs> weeks. We also repost stuff on Facebook and I've been trying to put more stuff on YouTube as well. Um, so just check us out and look, I, I know both of us, me, uh, Doug and I are both very open. If you ever have yeah, a question, reach out. Reach out. Absolutely. Um, would love to help anybody. Uh, catch you guys next time. Hey everyone. Uh, I also wanted to take this time to say, uh, I would love for you guys to share the podcast with your friends, anyone you know that pole vaults or loves the sport. Um, you can just go on iTunes. There's a share tab. You could text it if you want. Also, I'd love for you guys to leave a review. Let me know what you think. Um, that really helps me, um, to know what to do for the next podcast. I love providing this information and I just love to know what you guys think about what we're putting out there. Thanks so much. Um, it's uh, again, I just love the fact that people are getting a lot out of this. I've been getting a lot of good feedback in this past year and a half of doing the podcast and, uh, you know, we're going to keep it coming. Thanks.